Y'all telling me what to do. Y'all know that don't do good. <laughs> All right? You ready? Well, thank everybody for being here today. Um, you know, getting up and getting ready and getting to church. Um, hope you're making it a habit. Anyway, let's, let's pray, please. Father God, we thank you and praise you for this day that you've given us. And Father, we thank you for our, our health and our finances and our family and our jobs. And Father, we thank you for blessing us and keeping us calm in this time of turmoil and, and restlessness and just unknowns. And Father, we, we know that you are the one and only God and you gave your son Jesus to save us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But um, if I've, uh, a, a title for today is Recount Your Victories, which means like remember your victories kind of thing, right? And um, these are trying times. These are trying times for everybody, you know. Um, it, when you think you're just about to get out of the woods and things are going to kind of get back to normal. Nope, nope. No, don't do it. Don't, they don't do it. And so, you know, fear has kind of gripped our country. Um, you know, and it's, um, I, you know, I, um, and, and, and whether you're a mask proponent or opponent, I don't, I don't care. Um, but when you see, like, a lady in her backyard by herself, raking leaves, wearing a mask. You know, first of all, you, you kind of, you, you laugh, right? But it's not funny at all. It's not funny at all. Fear has gripped that lady. And, you know, you, you see someone walking down the sidewalk by themselves with a mask on, you know? And, and again, I, I laugh at them, and, and I'll probably continue to laugh at them, but it's not funny, and I shouldn't. Because fear has gripped those people. Satan is having a heyday with what's going on in here. And it, it's, it's kind of contagious, you know, kind of thing. And people, fear moves from one person to the other, to the other, to the other kind of thing. So I spoke about a year ago on fear. And I, and I really don't like to talk about fear. I mean, it's kind of time to talk about something else. But... I really think it's a problem, and I really think, let's look back at the Bible and see if we can find some, for instances, where, where the people faced, you know, uh, some real tough circumstances and, and how they got out of it. And, and fear, of course, is like the polar opposite of faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you kind of take... The, the other side of that, with fear, you can't be pleasing to God. But, but fear is a, is a powerful tool that the devil uses to, to hold us down, to hold us in place, to keep us kind of not moving forward, but in, in fact slipping backwards kind of thing. So, of course, you know, we say things like trust God, which is, which is easy to say, but trust God. Or you go to trust God, right? And the, the other scripture that's not in the Bible, it said this is going to be easy. 
I never found that scripture. It might be, might be in there, but I've never seen it. This is going to be easy. Uh, you can't lose hope. You got to keep your eye on the prize. You got to fight the good fight. You got to stay in the battle. And today we're going to talk about remembering our previous victories. And, and, I, and I'm sure, and, and you know, my life is kind of ho-hum kind of thing. You know, I've, I've, I've never, I've never been in a serious accident. I've never, I've never been in the military. I've never been in law enforcement. I've never been in life-threatening situations. But I'm sure some of our, our veterans and our, our law enforcement have been in situations where they could look back now and say, wow, for, you know, if it would have been a split second sooner or a split second later that, you know, my life could have been gone. And, but to remember back to those situations and remember that God was there to, to help you. And one instance that I remember, and this is, this is in the grand scheme of things, it, it is not even a bump, a blip. But when I was a, a senior in college, I was taking a, a, a 500 level course, which is a senior, senior level course. And there were about 20 people in that class or so, right? The, the problem was about six to eight of those people in that class were graduate students, right? They'd already graduated and they were back taking this class. So, I mean, in college and in anything, like, grading is kind of a competition, right? Like, a certain amount of people are going to make C's and a few B's and some A's kind of thing. So you're competing with some uh, people that are already graduated kind of thing. And I remember this one class and this one test, and uh, it wasn't exactly a midterm and it wasn't a final. This guy, he didn't believe in all that, but it was like, a big exam that was like three quarters of the way through the uh, semester. And I can remember praying and praying. How old was I? 21? 21. I can remember praying and praying that God would help me on that particular test. Just, just give me, you know, some wisdom here. Let me make it through and make this test. And it was, um, it was, a, it was a hard test. It, it was a very hard test, right? And there were all those graduate students in there. Most people didn't finish the test. I finished the test. It was a bonus question. I even finished the bonus question. And out of all that thing, and I, and I swear I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, one graduate student made a better grade than I did. Right? One graduate student. Most of the class failed. I'm going to gather my composure here. <laughs> Um, but it, that wasn't just happenstance. That wasn't just, that was way beyond you had a good day. That was way beyond you just got lucky that day. That was God. And I'll always remember it. And I'm not going to cry because Liam's going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got past that part. Um, and like I say, that's a blip in nothing. But it's something that I recall from time to time. You know, when things get a little difficult, I remember that God was there for me. 
So let's look at some people in the Bible and how they recalled their previous victories kind of thing. Um, we're going to read about David. Y'all got a camera running? Holy moly. David. And David was a, uh, a man after God's own heart. And of course, we're going to talk about David and Goliath here, but uh, you, you, there's a part of, I'm sure everybody knows David and Goliath's story, right? But this is a part of the David and Goliath story that I don't think we've always, that I know I haven't always thought about. And, and, why, and why David thought he could go out there and kill this giant, you know? Or why Saul trusted him to go out there and kill that giant. At this particular time, uh, Saul was the king and Samuel was the prophet. And Saul had been disobedient to uh, God. And so God chose to replace him with a person that he called a man after his own heart. And that's always been the title given to David is he's a man after God's own heart. And so God sent Samuel to anoint a new king. He didn't, Samuel didn't know who it was going to be, but he was going to anoint, anoint a new king. Let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. If I can find it. Got it up behind me, Tom? Sally? First. I'll read it off the board if I can. All right, and this is where, you know, Samuel uh, didn't really like it that um, Saul was not going to be king anymore. And he was kind of worried about how this was, you know, how all this was going to take place, how they were going to have a new king and, and those kind of things. And then, um, I'm in the same version, NIV, yet. Um, so let's, let's read it, Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How shall I go if Saul hears about it? He will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and I will come and sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. And you are to anoint for him the one I indicate. So let's skip down to verse 10, I believe. Verse 10. Got it? Okay. And Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, are, the, are these all the sons you have? There's, there's still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. <clears throat> so he sent for him and had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. <clears throat> 
So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. And Samuel went to Ramah, went back home. Anyway, so David had been anointed um, in front of his brothers and his family. I, never, I, I don't think the Bible says what his brothers and family thought about that. Uh, him being anointed to be the next king. But anyway, it did say that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David after that. And so, if we turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 17, then this guy called Goliath is now challenging the uh, Israel's army. And he's going out every day making ch challenges to um, the Israel army. Who will fight me or... You know, who's af everybody's afraid. So we're going to skip over to um, 1 Samuel 17, 26. <clears throat> 17 and 26. And David asked, that's it. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So here is a young boy, uh, a shepherd boy, who's saying, who is this guy? Doesn't he know that we are, are you know, we're the army of God? <clears throat> and now we're going to skip down, to, and then Saul hears about this. Here's about the shepherd boy who, is, who wants to challenge Goliath. And so he sends for David and said, you know, who are you and why do you think you could possibly take on this giant? And at verse 32, 32, 32, 32. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, You're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior for, from his youth. But David said to Saul, <clears throat> and this is where we're going to recount our victories. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it. And rescue the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. You know, I don't, I've heard the Goliath story, David and Goliath story over and over and over again. But I didn't really think about that David had basically barehanded killed a lion and a bear. That's pretty tough for a little kid, wouldn't you think? With a stick or something. That's a pretty, that's a pretty tough cat. I mean, that's a pretty good resume if you're getting ready to fight a giant. If you say, I already killed a lion and a bear. So David recounted his previous victories. He knew that God was with him. And that God would help him through this uh, battle with the giant. Now, let's jump over to 
to, did I read all the way to 37? Oh, 37. I'm going to read 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So David was using his previous victories to assure himself that God would show up again and help him. Let's jump over now to 45. 45, we're in the battle here. And Goliath has already said, I'll kill you quick and the birds will eat your flesh and all those kind of things. And then David said in verse 45, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And the very day I will give your carcass of the, Philist- to the, Philist- of the Philistine armies to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So David told him exactly what he was going to do, and that's exactly, you know, kind of what he did. And he uses... He remembered those victories that he had had over a lion and over a bear when he went to face the giant. And I'm sure all of us have, maybe not a a test when you were in college, but all of us have a victory that we can remember where at least some, a bunch probably, but at least one where we can remember God was there and God's going to show up again just like he did then. All right, let's jump to, let's, let's read some of the other words that David wrote. Let's turn to Psalms 37, verse 1. 37, verse 1. Psalms 37, verse 1. And David, of course, wrote a, um, a good many of these psalms, and they, they were written from his, from his heart as he talked to God. But Psalms 30, 37, verse 1. It said, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good, and dwell in the land and enjoy a safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Don't fret, don't worry, don't be overly concerned when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked screens, schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And don't fret. Again, don't worry. It only leads to evil. All right, now let's jump over to verse 23. Now these are words of encouragement that David was get, given. And now David is going to give the reason that He can give those words of encouragement. He is going to, again, draw back on his experience and in his life and tell you that 
God did it before, and he'll do it again. 23. We there? We there. 23. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And this is the verse that we really want to concentrate on. I was young, and now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. David was going back on his experiences that he had had as, as, a, um, as a shepherd boy and as a king. And he said, I was, I was young once, and now I'm an old man. But I've never seen God's people forsaken. Never, never. So, remember that. God's people never forsaken. God's always there. All right, let's read in Psalms 143. Another psalm. One forty three, verse one. Lord, hear my prayer, listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy pursues me, he crushes me to the ground, he makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me, my heart within me is dismayed. Here's a, here again, here's his, here's his recounting the victories. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. Again, David is thinking back through his life of every time God had helped him, had saved him, had, had been the refuge and strength that, that he needed. All right? Y'all with me? So far? I don't feel like I'm doing well, but we're going to keep doing anyway. <laughs> now we're going to talk about another, um, another example of remembering what God had done and using those same principles and, and that remembrance to help you get through tough situations. And this is one about Joshua when they crossed over the Jordan River. And I think Robbie used this in one of his uh, sermons not long ago. And I'm pretty sure I used it before that. But we're going to read to you. This is... Um, not a tough time for Israel, but a kind of an uncertain time for Israel. This is when they're getting ready to go into the promised land. They had left Egypt over 40 years ago and really not had a home. They had been, you know, camping and moving and camping and moving for 40 years. And all the mumblers and grumblers and all of those people had, had died. And this was a new, a new set of people. That, was, that God had prepared to go into the promised land. But then Moses died, you know, and, and the leader who had been their leader for 40 years was gone, and now Joshua had to step up and be the leader. And they were getting ready to cross over into the promised land, cross the Jordan River back 
and um, take on probably their first battle in the new land of Jericho. And this is what, this is how Joshua says, this is how we're going to do it. And, <clears throat> and then he's going to, when the priests walk across on dry land, they're going to pick up some stones and stack them in a stack on the other side so that they have something to remember how God delivered them and helped them take the land. So let's read, first of all, in Joshua 3, verse 9. Joshua 3, verse 9. And Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perserites and the Gershites, whoo boy, and the Amorites and the Jesuits. And see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into Jordan ahead of us. <clears throat> so then we drop down to verse, four, I mean chapter 4 verse 1. And this is, this is what he's telling them is going to happen. And when the whole nation had finished crossing Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, and right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at a place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan, and each of you is to take a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and when it crossed, the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones are to be a memorial of the people of Israel forever. So they picked up these stones and put them on the other side, and they put those stones there as a memorial so that when they, is that 25 minutes, Thomas? Does that mean 25 minutes? Holy moly. Oh. I talk too fast. To talk, oh boy, I'm getting good at this. All right, here we go. All right, so you put the stones, put the stones on the other side, right, as a memorial. Again, that one instance, that one time or multiple times in your life where God has stood up and stood up big and there's, there's no other way in your mind to explain it than God did it. That's the one you have to hold on to. The devil is quick to come and steal that and say, oh, that was just, a, that was just a luck. You know, you, you were just lucky that day, you know, whatever. But you've got, to, you've got to find that instance where you know that was God. And you've got to hold on to that in these trying times. You've got to hold on to that and make sure that Satan doesn't steal it from you. And when times get tough... You go back to that time. I'm not going to quit just yet, though. So now is the time to remember when God delivered in a supernatural way. And know that he'll do it again and again and again and again.
stop listening to all the bad news and listen to good news. Cut off the news for a little while and think about the time when God showed up and showed up big. And in Philippians, I'm not going to read this, but in Philippians um, chapter 4, verse 4, it talks about uh, 4 through 9. But at the end, it said, you know, if there's anything good, if there's anything noble, if there's anything whatever, think on these things. Don't think on other things. Think on these things. So, you know, how, how we think and what we think about and the things we choose to think about or the things that, that can give us the peace of God, that, which, is, which is what I would want, which I'm sure you all want. And again, I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking to me. You know, if there's anything you can use out of this, good. If there's not, you know, Robbie will be back next week. So it is hope. Okay? All right. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for those times you've given us to remember that when times get tough, we can relate back to those times and know that you are God and you love us and that you care about your people and you care about all the people of this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.